Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And you're not going to believe who's back in the house this week <laughs> on Ales with Aslan. We, we, we and found him. Those who help those who sell for a living. I'm in that bucket. I'm in that. Those that help those that That's sell. That's it. That's I'm in that bucket. <laughs> we found Tommy Boy out there, folks. He's Tommy Boy. They pulled me off the street. Pulled yep. me off the street. I was out selling. You have been out selling. You've been busy. We uh, well, we had you on a few weeks ago, but it's been, it's great to have you back. And I love our topic this week, which we a lot of our field sales reps are making that transition to virtual selling. And then, of course, there's a lot of inside sales reps that do this for a living, but they all seem to have challenges in advancing through the different stages of the sell cycle. And so we're going to go heavy into that topic. But first, we have to crack something cold, frosty, and refreshing. And mm -hmm. I'm so curious what you have in front of you today. You know, Scott, I may have had the same beer on our last podcast together. It's a Tropicalia. Oh, that's such I'm a violation. Creature Comforts, uh, which I think is, it's definitely a Georgia beer. Mm. Uh, it's in Athens. That's right. It's Athens, Tropicalia. You know what it is? It's ripe and juicy, aromatic, and balanced, Scott. And That's what is our I ABV? Like it so much. But, uh, you know, I was a little busy today, so I just went to the refrigerator because we okay. always keep a stash at Aslan yep. if anybody wants to come by to the international headquarters. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Which they Jason, be. one of our famous facilitators, yeah. Um, yeah, he drank some of my Tropicalia, but he did leave me one. So this is my last beer. So I need to come out. I need to get something creative for our next episode. Absolutely. You'll have me back on. All right. Well, enjoy that. I'm going to crack something again, local to my region. We mm -hmm. both, you and I are kind of staying close yeah, to home. We typically do that. We typically do that. Yeah. I'm going with a road trip. This is a New England style IPA. It's from mm. a company called Newport Craft. Some okay. of you may remember Newport Storm. Uh, this is the, uh, the current iteration of the company. It's alcohol by volume is 6.3%. This is a hazy, juicy, unfiltered New England IPA mm. with rotating hop features, including, wait for it, mosaic, citron. I don't know. Yeah. This is it's kind of your beer. You're kind of unfiltered. Scott. I'm a lot unfiltered. Oh, a very point. Unfiltered. Well, I can't great. read my ABV because I'm blind. Because I'm getting older. <laughs> I don't have my glasses handy. So it's, I'm sure it's over five. Yeah, this is yeah, 6.3. So not the nine I had a couple weeks ago that just yeah, put I remember you fell table. asleep on the podcast. Yes, indeed, indeed. So, well, just super to have you back and very excited about this topic because, you know, we spend a lot of time on the pod talking about, uh, you know, the engage process or the, the, the prospecting part of it. Right. We, you know, we all, we talked at length about the build value section of the, of the virtual presentations, but this is a subject that I think is great because it kind of happens throughout the cell cycle. And so we're going to talk about advancing from stage to stage within the process and some helpful hints and maybe some good examples that, that people can kind of use to make sure that they are uh, taking the right step at the right time within the sales process. And it really starts foundationally, Tom, with what? With their ability to recognize that they should be in which seat of the car, would you say? The passenger yeah, think, seat or the yeah. driver's seat? That's a, it's a good point. Uh, you know, I do think this is a challenge mm. and, and, and that leads to um, 
my answer to that question of who should be driving the process, because I think if you're a field sales rep and you're having to transition and you're used to being able to set a next step by hey, visiting with them or conducting an on-site demo or wandering around the building and learning more, all those, um, you know, leverage points have been taken away from you. You really right. kind of, so I think some, I think a lot of field reps are kind of deer in the headlights, like what do I do next? And so the customer might be leading the process, but, but regardless, we should always lead the process. Absolutely. Why? Because we are, we should know the best process for helping the customer determine what's the best solution. If this is a solution we offer on it every single day, or at least several times a month, and the customer may only evaluate a solution like this once in their lifetime, or, you know, maybe a couple of times, we should be the one that dictates the process and determine what's the best way for them to evaluate. But the key is, is knowing kind of where they are and line that up. So hopefully we can provide some helpful hints for, or tips for reps today to help them figure out well, what are some ideas about how they can advance given the fact that they can't go, go on site. Well, and I think that's critical that and we talk about this virtually every week and in almost every conversation we have with clients or, or anybody about Asin is it, it's got to start with your sort of intent, right? What's your mm-hmm. motive? And if your motive is truly to help someone in their buying decision and help them make the right decision, even if it's not your solution that they go with, this is a critical, critical part. And uh, choosing the right step, again, you said it, you do this a hundred times a year. <laughs> your customer may do this once in a lifetime. So you are certainly more skilled and more ready to drive this process. And so mm-hmm. I think that's critical. Uh, yeah. And I think they're comfortable with that. I mean, I, the, yeah. the, the experience that I've had when I step up and say, okay, I understand that this is sort of the process you, you have in place to try to evaluate the need or problem or solution. And I respect that, but can I offer a different way to think about this since I've done it 400 times and you've done it maybe two times yeah. or zero yeah. times. So not obviously, I, w- I wouldn't say that in a way that would um, be disrespectful, right? but they want me to offer some ideas about um, how's the best way to evaluate a solution and eliminate risk. So yes, I think, and I think motive is key. If our motive is truly to help the customer evaluate, then it's going to be received well because our motive is always transparent. Right. So when, our, when it's to help them and we're saying, hey, the reason I'm going to recommend something different than you've laid out is because it's going to help you. That's going to come across versus, no, I don't want you to do it that way because if you do it that way, I won't win. Yep. And yeah, that's no. not very motivating for the customer. The customer's not motivated by your goals. Exactly right. Very good point. So in typical Tom Stanfield fashion, he comes prepared with a very prepared. step-by-step process. We've outlined five, you know, sort of steps in this process. And, you know, it's going to help if you follow each of these in its entirety. So listen closely, and we'll probably blog about this too, make it real simple for you to go find resource on this. But Tom, let's start with step one. All right, so. Well, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was the step, step one is, is what you do before you advance. Yes. But it's an important step. You need to decide the resources you want to invest in pursuing this account or opportunity. So, so in other words, what's the probability that you can win and is it worth winning? Now this podcast isn't about assessing the opportunity, but you need to step back and say, is this a, is this one of those accounts that I want to invest a lot of resources or do I want to choose events that are not going to cost me that much effort and energy? Yes. I want to help the customer make the best decision, but I can only invest so much time. Most, 
important resource that we have as sellers is our time. We can't get it back. And how you invest your time will probably determine your success. So every time you're working on a deal, you're losing a deal. So all those little cliches that we say in selling. So we need to figure out how, is this an A prospect, B prospect, C prospect, because that's going to determine the amount of resources that you want to invest. Now, whether you're willing to spend a ton of time doing research or you're going to send them an article. Yeah. 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 Well, and I actually was just going to ask you that because when, when you talk about resources, it's your time, it's potentially, you know, you're like in a lot of cases, right. you get involved, right? As the CEO, you get involved. Is it worth, you know, Tom Stanfield's time to be involved in the sales cycle? So you've got this sort of, you know, uh, armory of, 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 you know, of weapons that you can bring to bear, which ones mm-hmm. are you going to bring for the, for the different size deals? And that could include some of your marketing assets and some of the other tools that you might have at your disposal that you choose to use at certain times, right? And so I think that's right. a great, great and that, uh, It may not sound like we're being other-centered, Scott, when we're talking about our time, but the reality is you can only serve so many people. Yeah, and yeah. So, and so it's not about being manipulative. It's about figuring out who you can help. If I'm, a, if I'm an orthopedic surgeon and someone walks in, you know, that has a heart problem, I'm being other centered by, by saying, I can't spend time with you yeah. or you're not really sick or you know, whatever. You yeah. have to make decisions about where we're going to invest our time. So um, it's, and it's ultimately that's determined by, can you really solve the customer's problem? Are you best suited to solve it? And is it, you know, does it again, warrant your time? So. Yep. Really good. All right. So a lot like, you know, when, when, when we talk about, um, you know, the, the preparation phase of the stuff that we deal with, right? That mm-hmm. prepare before you go in to actually start selling. All sales reps should go through that before they, it just, it just saves everybody time when you're well prepared with what exactly you're in your arsenal you're going to pull uh, for, for the different types of deals. So I think the preparation is step one. Now, step two, uh, this is interesting because it's a little complicated. This one we'll unpack for a little bit, is determining what stage we're at, right? I mean, this, mm-hmm. we said this in the beginning of the pod that you can, you can, should, and have to, um, you know, advance each step of the process uh, with the next best appropriate step. Not always closing. We're not talking about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross always mm-hmm. be closing, but we are talking about having a very logical next step. So let's unpack uh, how we would determine what stage we're at. Right. Okay. So, when you think about, okay, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with a company like I did today virtually. Yep. And it may be early in the process or I'm late in the process, or it just depends on where I'm in the process determine what am I going to recommend? So they could either be at the unconscious need stage. Mm-hmm. In other words, for some reason you're meeting with them and this is not too common, but some, some reason you're meeting with them and you know that there's a need, but they don't see it. So like in our world, we may be working with a company and this happened to us several months ago where they're they're We know that their field sales organization is going to have a difficult time transitioning from walking in the building to selling purely virtually, but right. they don't know that yet. And so we may be a little ahead of it. They may be willing to talk to us maybe because of relationship, past relationship, or maybe they're just curious, but the need isn't acute yet. So, but I see that there's a need. Right. So the need exists. They just don't know it. Mm-hmm. The next step is they feel the pain. They, there's pain there, but they're unsure of the solution. They don't know what to do about it. You yeah. know, maybe they can do something internal. Maybe they need to outsource. Maybe they don't need to do it. They're just, but they're feeling the pain. Then the next stage is they recognize the pain and need for a solution, but it's not a priority. 
right now. Yep. Yep. Right. So we do have a problem and we do need to solve this, but we can't solve it right now for whatever reason. So let's say they can work on four initiatives and you're number five. Yep. And then lastly, they're looking for a solution provider now. Obviously they know there's a problem and they're looking, they're evaluating. And this is one of the toughest situations if you come in late in the funnel and they're like, hey, we're talking to four or five vendors, we want an RFP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This information, we want your pricing, we want you to meet with us on this date and then we'll do this. And they've got a real defined process and it's very difficult to um, change the decision cry drivers at that point. That's sometimes the most difficult situation to be in. It's a shorter cycle, yeah. but it's also harder to win. So those are the stages. So depending on where they are, would determine what event that you want to propose as the next best step. Well, and I think it's a great point because a lot of sales reps will say, you know, and I, because I'm in marketing, I, I feel this sometimes, right? I feel that give me the leads where it's further down the funnel and they have intent. They know that they right. have a problem. Well, that is true that, that, that they are lower in the funnel and typically you are getting a live conversation more easily. But the risk of that is they're so far down the funnel, you're an mm -hmm. afterthought RFP, check the box candidate, and you, that is not the place you want to be as a sales rep. And so, you know, being in that, that, that stage can be both a blessing and a curse, right? I yes. Think I mean, we love it. We love it that it's hot lead, right? Yeah. But it's tough because you know they're talking to the competition. And you have right. le less access to the stakeholders and less influence. Yeah, really, really good point. So, so awesome. So that's the second step in the process is mm -hmm. really determining the stage. And we laid so out, where are they? you know, where are they and, and what, what um, you know, what's happening there. The next one very logically is to determine what event makes sense. Discuss all the possible mm -hmm. uh, events that can happen in each stage. And so I think this is a great, Again, and I think this this becomes a blog later, Tom, because this this is going to be hard to remember while you're driving to the gym or at the gym. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this is really rich stuff here. So let's talk a little bit about determining what event makes sense next. Yeah. So this this is where if this is undefined, you, you might intuitively know the which what, you know what of the four stages that they're in, where mm -hmm. they're in their process. But it but if you don't have these defined as sort of resources at your fingertips that you can offer to the customer, you just will end the call with, uh, okay, well, let me know, or we'll follow up and um, <laughs> talk to you in a couple of months. Talk or to you on talk, the flip side. Yeah. And they'll say something like, okay, well, we're going to talk to our internal team or we're going to discuss this. We'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah. And, then, and then it's just follow up, follow up, follow up, nothing, nothing, nothing. So it's really important to have this nailed down by stages. So what we've done is to help our, our listener audience here that um, what are these events by stages? So, yeah. Stage in one and two are pretty much the same events. You know, they're, they're neither not sure that they have a need or they, they, have, they know they have a need, but they're not sure what to do. So they're kind of in this fuzzy zone. But you know, this is key, which is part of you qualifying. You know you can help them. Again, you're an orthopedic surgeon and they got a knee problem. They just don't know it. Yep. So, so the first thing you want to do, the first event, and, and I'll explain this in a second, is to establish credibility with them. Mm -hmm. You've got to do something to demonstrate your capabilities where they see you as an asset. Yep. So somewhere down the road, they're going, I know I need to, I need to have a relationship with you because I know that you're going to be somebody I want to talk to because you can potentially help me. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't establish some sort of credibility with them, they're never going to take any other step. So your first step, if they're at that stage is you've got to do some sort of capabilities overview 
that gets them excited about you. I always, you know, you either want to make them a fan or, you know, an ally. And so you've got to spend time doing that. And sometimes you might be working with what we call an evaluator, not really the decision maker, but someone who is on the on point to vet vendors. You've got to turn them into a champion. So you need to spend the time to do what you need to do to move from I'm a stranger to, hey, we're good at what we do and these are our capabilities and we should we should have a relationship either whether we work now or in the future. Yep, yep. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. You know, we typically have a 45-minute presentation about who Aslan is, and it's always, when you do that, you want to build it around the customer's problems and what you've done for other customers. And, you know, those people are saying use cases or case studies, but make it very customer-centric. But they've got to see, they've got to end that step as, okay, you guys, you guys are rock stars. You guys know what you're doing. Well, and, you know, we have lots of different types of sales reps that listen to the to the pod, but we've got, you know, like, I'm sure a lot of farmer reps would think of, well, you have samples, like the, logically mm-hmm. you just give samples and you try them with your patients and, and that's how, you know, th- that might work. I have a sort of an example that's very fresh um, mm-hmm. that I think might be interesting to people because, you know, when I was working with a client because, you know, uh, COVID hit, they, they just, you know, they put everything on hold, which is very, very understandable. Um, and I think probably we're in that phase of, I know I have a problem. I'm just not exactly sure how detailed the problem is. And I certainly don't know what the solution is. Right. And they were getting into um, some challenge areas where we were starting to talk about some of our leadership stuff. And so kind of had, had, I'd been trying for months to email and, and just resurrect the conversation and nothing was really working, but we had come out with a freemium version of our, of our software, mm-hmm. our coaching software. And the freemium version was very logical for me to kind of send a note and say, you know, I know you're going through this. And because of COVID, we've made available this coaching software for you to load some of your sales reps into your frontline managers portals. And you are then able to sort of, uh, you know, manage that group almost like a CRM for your internal sales force. Well, that note really triggered something in this particular client and it opened up the door again. Right. So be, because the door had been slammed shut by COVID, mm-hmm. so no, no fault of us as sales reps, right? You have to be creative and think about some things that might be able to get that door back open. And you've got them at your disposal, most likely in every company. It could be a freemium model of software, could be samples, could be you know something educational that they should read. Whatever that thing is, be very diligent about how you approach your your, your clients and share that sort of information in a very un unselfish, other-centered way. You're just trying to be helpful to them and they will pay you back in spades when, when the time is right. I love that. Yeah. I, I, and I would just, I would categorize that event as free, like a yeah. free demo, free trial, free something. Yeah. What resource can you offer them that will help them see the value of your solution or the value of your relationship? So yeah. again, it could be about being cred- credibility, but how are you going to help them do their job? Any way that you can help them do their job at this stage and they find benefit, um, that, that can be you know, free work, free consulting. Anything you can do that's free that will solve their existing problem. Everybody's, this is what I always tell sales reps, everybody has problems. They may not have the problem you solve right now or the problem you want to solve right now. Everybody has problems. You know, we work with learning leaders. We work with sales leaders. They all have problems. So 
maybe I can only solve a handful, but they have others. So there's resources available. And if I'm good at advancing an opportunity, I'm always looking for those resources that I can make available, whether again, free consulting, um, you know, maybe it's meeting with some of my customers who've experienced similar problems. Um, so that's, that's a great, great example, Scott. Yeah. Well, and you know, I was just thinking about you had, you had spoken earlier in the conversation about <clears throat> we're always trying to make sure we're spending our time in the right places and trying to help those folks that can actually use our help or that are, mm -hmm. that are willing to, to take the journey with us to us helping them. And one of the things that I've, I've kind of noticed over my time is I, I've, I've been reading a book that talks about this concept of assignment selling, right? And mm -hmm. it's, this is the ability of, as sales reps, we have this unique ability to help clients with any kind of material that we have. I, I like case studies and, um, and, and white papers and those sort of educational pieces that we're talking about here. But, you know, you can test your, your client's interest level in you by giving them an assignment. Say, look, what I'd like for you to do, this would lead very nicely to a next meeting, is read this case study from a company in your industry that we were able to achieve these results with. Have a read of that and then let's come back together and talk about how we were able to help that client and how that might make some sense to apply some of the same concepts in your environment and see if we can't generate the same sorts of results. That's a good early stage um, test to A, mm -hmm. are they gonna read it? Do they care enough to do the assignment? <laughs> and, and are they really interested? But it also is a great unselfish way for you to give them some, some free information that mm -hmm. will help them down the decision path to say, yeah, these guys really do know what they're doing, right? So it doesn't cost you a lot of extra resource and you, and you get a lot of bang for your buck, um, your time buck, if you will. Does yeah, that make I, sense? I love that. I would, I, I call that sort of education slash follow-up. So yeah. you're going to provide some level of education. So you could have, I mean, you, I've seen reps coordinate best practice meetings with thought leaders mm. or customers, yep. um, provide case studies, provide research, white papers, et cetera where you're going to provide this. And again, it's not about your solution. It's about how, what they need to know to solve their problem. Those are our most popular white papers is when we're writing articles about here's what we've learned for 20 years plus of providing sales training for organizations. So this is how you should assess your organization or hire or all the different things that companies struggle with. And then the next step is follow up and discuss what they've learned and what questions they have. And you might even bring in again some other experts. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's some good steps at this stage. Whether it, it, one of the things we haven't talked about is is assessment. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's actually my favorite event at this stage is to is once you've established credibility with the organization because they're not going to allow you to do any work with the organization or meet with their people um, un, until you've established some credibility. But once you have once you've passed that test investing time, analyzing whatever you need to analyze to determine what their need is, and then bring back, um, you know, your overview of, of your assessment of the organization, which again, isn't about you. It's about the problem that they have, how to different way to look at the problem, which ultimately obviously would lead to your solution. Most likely may not, but investing time to conduct some level assessment. You can do that without being on site. So yeah. that to me is my favorite step. That's is, a great one. Yeah. Is, and, and, is, I always think about it as outwork the competition. What exactly. are you willing to do to help them figure out what to do and do more than the competition will do? 
Right. And you, and you can see leadership out there saying, wait, 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 we're going to give stuff away. Well, <laughs> if you really want to help somebody, mm-hmm. it, you really need to kind of live in their environment and assess what's really going on. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose there is a little bit of a, uh, you know, a lost leader in some of those types of deals, but I bet you um, Tom Stanfill and many others can come up with examples where that's led to great revenue because of the unselfish start to the relationship. So I think it's yeah. an important ingredient. Well, and ultimately you want to make a recommendation, not a presentation. Right. And by conducting assessment and knowing the organization, you don't say, Oh, this is what we do. And you're going to have to figure out how it works because I can't, <laughs> I don't really know. You want to go, this is what's going on. And this is what I recommend. Yeah. That's what you ultimately want to do. You yeah. want to make a recommendation. So that's great. So, so in stages one and two, I think we covered a lot of opportunities from free trials, free consulting assessments, maybe even some, you know, case studies and white papers that help people educate themselves. But what do we do in later stages, like stage three and four? What can we, what can we leverage as next uh, events for those, those, those individual places? Stage three is a big opportunity. And I've got a great example. So stage three is they recognize the pain, but the priority is not, it's not now. Mm. Priority is, is, is focused on other areas. And so the need for the solution needs to be delayed. Uh, We we were working with a company, kind of in a partnership and I watched one, a seller, very accomplished seller stop the process because they were trying to sell training mm-hmm. or that was, you know, the need was training, but they, the client was stalling and they realized that there wasn't a compensation plan in place. So instead of them trying to sell sales training, they stopped and said, you need help in how to evaluate you know, your, your team and how to measure success and how to compensate. And so she brought in consultant to help them do that. So instead of selling her solution, she helped the client solve that problem. So the best way, the best event for stage three, when they recognize the pain, but, but, and the need for a solution, but it's not a top priority right now is solve whatever problem they do have now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's, Something, it's something you can help them solve, whether you're bringing in outside resources, but don't focus on what you want to solve, focus on what they need to solve. Yep. And, you know, like I said, every company has problems. So figure out what problem they might have and help them solve it, which again, might just be bringing in outside resources, bringing in a strategic partner, talking to somebody inside your company, but they're focused on something and they're worried about something. So figure that out and help them. And then that sets the stage for you to, to partner with them later on around, you know, related to your no, solution. That's great. That's a great point. And, and as we, as we round out the, uh, the fourth and final sort of stage of this, how would you recommend, or, you know, you, you, you sort of place the next event in the, uh, in the timeline. What do you mean? The, 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 the next, yeah, the stage yeah. four, whatever. Stage four, yeah. stage four. Yeah. So stage four, again, is they're looking for a solution provider right now. Mm-hmm. So the number one thing I would try to do if you come in late is back up, back up the process. So they're, they're dictating what needs to happen. Right. And so this is where you have to communicate why it's in their best interest to back the process up and allow you to do either meeting with the stakeholders, conduct the assessment that you want to conduct um, and spend more time. So that's, you will, that's your, that's the most difficult one because then sometimes you'll fail, but that's an event. Like what can you, what do you need to do earlier on? What should you have done earlier on that will help them learn or may help them make a better decision? 
Well, um, and if, if you're brought in at this stage or you're brought yeah. in in an RFP, which can come kind of in the, <laughs> the later stages of their process, right. um, you've talked about before, and I think we've talked about on the pod before, you know, is it okay to no bid or is it okay to just throw down the gauntlet and say, if, if we're not going to follow any sort of process, I don't think I can help you or I'm not sure if I can help you. Maybe that's more appropriate. Well, that goes back to the first thing we said is in the process is that, uh, you know, you've got to decide how qualified this opportunity that's right. is. So that's if it's, right. if it's not very qualified, maybe it's a big opportunity, but the chances of winning are low. You mm -hmm. may need to dictate, you may need to take a strong stance right now and create a fork in the road and say, either you're going to allow me to do this or I'm not going to participate, yeah. which I've done before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But so that determines that if you have a really strong position, and based on the, you know, what, if you look at their decision drivers and you look at what you offer and it matches up nicely, you may be willing to just do what they tell you to do because you know, as long as you get the meetings or have one meeting or, uh, you know, whatever the, whatever the terms are, whatever the steps are, you're comfortable with that, then that's fine. But if you're going to lose and they're going to make a bad decision, you need to back up the process and say, look, before we do that, we need to do a little bit more investigation or we don't know what to present. That's right. One of those steps is meet with decision makers. I can't tell you the number of times that people will show up in a presentation cold without talking to decision makers. I had mm. a client that wanted me to fly to London yeah. and make a presentation. We'd never met with anybody. Um, they, we, I guess they were recommended to us by another customer. So it was somewhat warm. And they're like, nope, just show up and make the presentation. Don't talk to anybody. And we'd like to see what you have to say. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the proverbial We're, I'm taking my ball and going home. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So and why? Because I don't know what you need. It'll be That's a waste right. of your time yeah. and a waste of my time. So I need to meet with, with the players to find out what's important to them because what you'll find anytime you're trying to guess as to what to present, it's because you don't know. So you don't want to guess. If you meet with the players and the stakeholders that are making the decision and find out what's important to them, you'll know. So meet with decision makers to understand what's important to them and make sure that you can um, you know, meet their requirements is critical. I think it's a great point. And as we make the turn for home with our final two steps in the process, um, what, what, are, what are some key takeaways or some key ingredients of the last two steps? Well, step number, you know, the process, step number four is always position the event. Whatever you're recommending is why mm -hmm. it's in the customer's best interest. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't figured that out, it will, you'll struggle to communicate it. But if you're always communicating, the reason I want to talk to the decision makers is because everybody has unique desires and needs. And if I don't talk to them, I won't be aware of what's important to them, or I need to know what problem we're trying to solve so that I can make a recommendation, not a presentation. Or yeah. So, you know, so it's, you just always have to position this from the standpoint is my goal is to help you make the best decision. I've done this hundreds of times. And so I'm very familiar with how, what's necessary for you to evaluate. So whether it's how much time you need to spend on the presentation, what needs to happen in the presentation, however, whatever you're, whatever you're positioning as a next best step, just say it in a way that's helpful to the customer. Yeah. And then the last step is you need to be able to send a meeting invite. Regardless of what <laughs> event you want to agree with, if you can't send a meeting invite, it means you don't have the time and date set. And then you really don't have a commitment. Because I always tell myself when I'm meeting with a customer, the easiest time to get a commitment is when you're talking to them. It is always more difficult to get back in the castle and get people 
back engaged. And because when they're talking to you and they get excited, it's an important priority. But as soon as they leave that meeting and walk into another meeting, then that becomes a priority. So it's always more difficult to get the commitment unless you can, you've got the time and date nailed down. And you can't always do that right. because they don't always know and they've got to talk to somebody else. And, but that's our goal. But you put an interim step of some, you know, let's do a checkpoint next week and let's put something on the calendar and make sure we come back together. I mean, you told, and I think John Sequera came on the pod and actually told the whole story about Oprah. Right. Go listen to that podcast. <laughs> you want to talk about a missed opportunity by failing to put something on the calendar. That's a great story and a terrible result. But uh, Tom, this has been an amazing um, step-by-step process as we always do. You're always so organized with your points. Uh, we talked about the, f- the five-step process and all of the different things that we can do to choose the appropriate event for the stage of the cell cycle. And I hope a lot of people gained a lot of knowledge. Anything else you want to leave the audience with before we, uh, we close up this week? I just want to encourage everybody that, that, you know, focus on what's required for the customer to evaluate your solution and then get really passionate about that. Again, it doesn't even need to be your solution, but evaluate a solution that, that, that you offer, whether it's from you or another competition, figure that out, figure out what's required for them to determine how to make the best decision and then be passionate about recommending that. And because you see customers make mistakes all the time because they don't quite know what to do. And I think sellers are a little shy to leave that because they're like, well, they're calling me and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to upset the customer. I don't want to lose the opportunity. You're going to lose the opportunity if you don't lead because what they're looking for is somebody who has the expertise to solve their problem. They're Mm -hmm. looking for somebody to lead them. People, you know, the solutions are going to look pretty commoditized, but they are going to be drawn to somebody who ultimately can help them solve the problem and who has the expertise. So don't be shy about recommending something out of the box. He's Tom Stanfill. He's been our guest on Ales with Aslan. And please share the, uh, the podcast with all your friends. Make sure you subscribe down below uh, and make sure um, – you, uh, you recommend this. Do your likes and your shares because we really want to get this to as many salespeople as we can. Uh, this is just such an important part of who we are, just helping folks, especially in this time of COVID, navigate these challenges of, of folks that are going from field-based selling into this world of virtual selling. So help us get this wider and wider and help more and more folks out. And we really appreciate that. We'll talk to you in another week on another episode of Ales with Aslan. Mm-hmm.